Silver Screen and Roll Network. I'm one of your hosts, as always, Jacob. I promise Hani is a part of this show still, but uh, he is not around again uh, for this one. I believe his parents are in town this weekend. So uh, we will have to figure out some sort of punishment for coming on for one show, two shows, and then ditching us for a month. But uh, a more than suitable replacement joining us tonight uh, in Sabrina. Sabrina, the Lakers are no longer winless. What is that? What is what does getting a win feel like? I feel giddy, honestly. Like I did not know that one in five would feel this good, but <laughs> it feels great. <laughs> if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that you'd be giddy after a one in five start, I don't think. Uh... I think I would have guessed that we'd beaten the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except which, I mean, they're not very good right now either. I think every team in. Uh, I think I saw the stat. Every team in California is under 500 now. Um, the Lakers, though, do get the victory over Denver on Sunday night, 121-110. Their first victory, finally, alas, uh, avoid, I believe, the worst start for LeBron James in his career, mm-hmm. narrowly, but <laughs> they still got there. We did it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Hang the banner. Uh, big second half in this one uh, from LeBron and the team as a whole to come away with the victory. But uh, I feel like we have to start with Russ, who unbelievable uh, tonight off the bench. I don't think we've um, had a I'm not sure if we've had a podcast since he's moved to the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much we've been able to, to talk about it on the network, but on Sunday night, he has 18 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 6 of 12 shooting, and a team best plus 18. Why is is this working? How is this working, him coming off the bench? Well, first of all, I was just really happy that he was having fun. I mean, obviously winning will do that, but like he made his first three from the corner, and like I didn't have the overwhelming sense of dread that usually accompanies a Russell Westbrook long range jump shot. And like, I didn't feel it from the crowd either. I don't know if that was just me projecting, but the, the vibes were good. Like, I don't understand what the difference was, you know, before Russ started playing well, but you know, I think, I think ever since the Lakers acquired him, it's been painfully obvious that he and LeBron are best suited as primary ball handlers. And, by definition of the word primary, you can't have two of those on the court at the same time. So staggering him as much as possible makes sense. Um, you know, it's it's still a little funny because Russ comes in with LeBron for his first stint. And it's always like, well, why is Russ like coming off the bench if he's just going to play next to LeBron for the first four minutes anyway? But I do think that him running the offense with AD on the court, uh, making sure that there is at least one playmaker on the floor at all times, uh, you know, he, he's been saying that like, he's willing to do anything for the team. And like, I really didn't believe it because like we had 80 some games of evidence that like that was not happening, but he's doing exactly what the Lakers need right now. Like that extra jolt of energy that we were previously relying on 
Kendrick Nunn and Austin Reeves to provide. Like all due respect to Austin Reeves, who obviously had a lovely game today. That's just not what he's good at. Like he can push the ball in transition, but he's not pushing the ball hard, like off of makes and live rebounds. That's just not what Austin is doing. And he's not like creating to the same effect. So just to have that force on the rim at all times and another playmaker, I mean, like he's, he's just doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. I don't know what got into him, what got into Darvin Ham to get to him. Oh, congrats to Darvin Ham, by the way, first yeah. win of his NBA head coaching career took a little bit longer than we all expected, but Hey, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy for us. And I, I feel like, I don't know, like, I don't want to think of this like the Memphis game last year. Remember when he set like the seven screens for LeBron and we won our first game of the season <laughs> yeah. and it was like, yeah, a whole this article on like how that know, was going right? to unlock the Lakers offense. And I'm watching the Lakers like in the second quarter and they're running the small, small pick and roll. I guess, I don't know if you call it a small, small pick and roll if LeBron is part of it, but like Russ is setting screens for LeBron and like doing the short roll thing and finding cutters and shooters and like, yes, this obviously makes a lot of sense. Why can't we do it more often? I hope it's not another case of, oh, the Lakers got their first one in the season. Now Russ is going to be like, suck it. I'm going to do my thing again. <laughs> but no, I, it just felt good to like watch everyone do what they're best at. On paper, what Russ is doing is kind of what everybody had thought he could do, if that makes sense. Like in, in an ideal world, he could be this ball handler off the bench that could provide energy and run with the second unit get to the rim, have the floor more spaced out. It was just kind of, as you said, there was a large sample size of him not doing this. So like there was a lot of skepticism. Uh, and then when they even tried it in the preseason, it didn't, it didn't work whether uh, Russ was legitimately hurt or whatever the situation was, it didn't work. He mm -hmm. didn't really seem down for it, but through the two games he's done it in the regular season, it has worked. It is, uh, at least for him individually, it has completely worked. And for the team on Sunday, he was the spark that they needed. I asked this unironically, is this <laughs> the high point of his Lakers tenure? I have to believe that there was a better moment last year when the Lakers were like above 500 like that. I know I've blocked out a lot of last season, <laughs> but I have There to is believe. one moment that I remember. And they were above 500. It was the Boston game in Staples. Okay. He had a three-pointer that I remember he hit to put the Lakers up by a lot. They called a timeout. He was turning celebrating with the crowd, which there was video tonight of him late in the game during free throws, turning and celebrating with the crowds. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can remember that you could compare this to. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to think of a moment where he was this good last year, like in a winning effort. Um, it's, it's not coming to me and like, <laughs> I'm not trying to like shade Russ. I promise. It just <laughs> like last year was really painful and I've tried to block out a lot of it. So yeah, I mean, if, I hope that this is not the high point of Russ's tenure because I hope it just gets better and better. But like you said, this bench thing is working. I mean, if Anthony Davis had been healthy against Minnesota, I do believe that that would have been again, a win against the wolves. And this was a win against a good Denver team, like not a great defense, obviously, but a team with like five starters who I think like fit very well together and a mm -hmm. starting lineup that makes a lot of sense and actually outplayed the Lakers probably, but thank goodness Michael Malone doesn't believe in staggering. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do enjoy that. I don't know if the spectrum broadcasted this on purpose, but like Michael Malone is very particular about the fact that people call him Michael and not Mike. 
And when they showed the graphic introducing him at the start of the game, it said Mike Malone. <laughs> and I don't know if that was on purpose, but I appreciate just the little dig, little dig. Uh, but yeah, just this is cool. This is cool having Russ like this. I mean, that run at the end of the third quarter, like you and I were talking before we hit record, it seemed like things were just going badly in the third, right? The the Lakers enter the period with a four-point lead. The first time they've had a halftime lead in this season, swiftly fall down by like eight points, and the Nuggets are just making ridiculous shots, right? Like the, the Murray one where an AD is just draped over him, and he still manages to get a three at the end of the shot clock. Aaron Gordon just doing some wild shit. Like it was an unpleasant start to the quarter. And then it's the bench lineup that gets it back in the game. And like, it's weird to say a bench lineup when Anthony Davis is still in there, but like traditionally the Lakers are good when LeBron is on the court and not good when LeBron is off the court. And then they're really good when LeBron and AD are on the court. So the AD only lineups have always really struggled. And the theory was, Hey, if we can put Russ and AD together, wouldn't that help the non LeBron lineups? Finally, (laughs) 85 games later or whatever. Took a year and a half for us to get to this point. But that was a great run, right? Like Lonnie Walker losing his mind, Matt Ryan calling for the ball before Austin Reeves even runs a pick and roll with Anthony Davis. Like, oh man, just, I know we had a lot of fun watching like that Clippers stretch, right? Like when Lonnie um, dunked in transition and like that was, that was the hype moment of the season. This is a new one, right? Like Austin lobbing to Lonnie Walker in transition and Lonnie Walker may or may not make the shot, but that's the best part about these (laughs) Lakers. Yeah, if he would have thrown that down tonight, then yeah, that place would have exploded. He, mm-hmm. uh, you could tell he was a little hyped up after that one. But yeah, this is this was a ton of fun, and I think that's the biggest thing with Russ. One of the things that always stuck out to me last year, and I know somebody tweeted it, but trading for Russ was supposed to make things fun, if nothing else, and it never felt fun last no. year. It it felt fun tonight, and um. We'll see how much that continues, but if nothing else, the Lakers have one very fun victory tonight. As you said, Darvin Ham's first. Sounds like the Lakers uh, gave him the traditional Gatorade bath after the game uh, for his victory um, and celebrated in style. Uh, He said, quote, tonight we needed to prove something to ourselves, and I'm proud of how we responded uh, one of the big things, even throughout this slow start for the Lakers, and we've talked about it on this network on the side a fair amount, has been the defense, which continued to be great on Sunday. Uh, they came into the night, I believe, ranked second in defensive rating. That part of what made that third quarter so frustrating, as you alluded to, is I thought that they were playing really good defense. Mm -hmm. It was just, they were, the Nuggets were just making these absolutely absurd shots to the Lakers credit. And not just tonight, but for the whole season, they have not like let their poor offensive performance, um, stop them from competing on that end. Uh, and tonight was just the same. No matter how much the Nuggets were throwing in, no matter how bad that third quarter looked, they never stopped competing. What is it that you have seen that has kind of made this Lakers defense work so well? Yeah, the reason that I believe in Darvin Ham so far, even though he's one in five, and like there have been there have been stretches where like I have questioned what exactly the Lakers are doing offensively, <laughs> is because 
the effort, like you mentioned, defensively is always there. And I firmly believe that the thing that a coach has the most control over is how hard you play on defense and how connected a team is on defense. Just because like, offensive talent is harder to coach, in my opinion. So I always look at how well a team defends for to be a reflection of their coach. And like that, that just hasn't stopped. Like you said, like LeBron goes to these moments, you know, where he's a little like, what the hell's going on here? I'm not sure I want to be a part of this. But for the most part, like the rotations that they make are just insane. Like there was a possession in the fourth quarter, right? When Denver has made their run and you're wondering if like, oh God, are the Lakers going to blow this again? And LeBron just maniacally fronting Nikola Jokic so they cannot get the ball to him. And the entire Denver offense short circuits because they have no idea what to do if Jokic doesn't get the ball in his hands. And it's just this incredible possession. And Lonnie Walker is fighting his ass off to contest a Michael Porter Jr. jump shot. And like, mind you, that's like a seven foot, seven inch difference between the two of them potentially. Maybe like closer to six, but regardless, like the fact that he's able to get in Michael Porter Jr.'s airspace to contest that when he has no physical reason to be able to do so, and then MPJ airballs the shot, like that to me is exactly the kind of defensive possession that just epitomizes what the Lakers are doing. Like, like you said, hilariously, second best defense in the league coming into this game. Top two are the undefeated Milwaukee Bucks and the winless Los Angeles Lakers, <laughs> which just goes to show you that I don't know, maybe defense doesn't win championships, but. <laughs> like I think that's the clearest sign of the buy-in that they have with Darvin Ham because they all keep talking about like how much they respect him and like the type of culture that he's bringing in and like yada 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 it's a lot of like you know talk but like you see it on the court the way they play hard on that end because I mean at some point like Contavious Caldwell Pope throws up a three and like it bounces off the backboard and then bounces back in and it's like very next possession somehow they get an offensive rebound another kcp3 which i get it like we've been on the receiving end like we've been benefiting from that at some point but it's got to be really annoying when that happens but then to go out and continue to just call out rotations and like help the helper and all of the little things that the lakers are doing defensively are just so fun to watch uh i mean it's it's the only thing that like makes this team enjoyable through the first five games of the season is the fact that they still care on that end of the floor so, I, I mean, I don't know how Darwin's doing it, but, like, I do firmly believe that this is a reflection of the coaching staff that, like, to get that kind of buy-in from your team. And that's what makes me just, like, a little bit more optimistic going forward, even with how bad this start has been. Those KCP3s were particularly sharp daggers uh, every time they went I love KCP in. so much, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it, it hurts to see him doing that for someone else and there against was a- us. There was a play at the end where uh, KCP fouls LeBron, right? And AD goes to high five LeBron and then just leaves his hand up for Kenny to high five him. <laughs> <laughs> and KCP's just cracking up. <laughs> he, uh, but yeah, I, so one of the things uh, as you were talking that I remembered that Rob Polinka talked a lot about when he hired Darvin Ham is that he wanted the Lakers to compete every night. And that was something that the team did not do last season. Uh, they hardly competed, to be honest. And so I, I think what they've been doing defensively has been the shining example of that, that they're going to compete every night. There's a buy-in with Darvin Ham, which in and of itself to have a team buy-in to a new head coach this quickly is impressive. To have them do it when the re- you haven't gotten a win is mightily impressive like it's hard to overstate how impressive that is so 
it, it was nice to see them rewarded for their efforts tonight and that defense lead to a victory. Um, it's been, a, it's been a brutal schedule. Like even the easy game we thought we were getting with the Blazers is turning out to be a, the Blazers are sixth in net rating right now. They're so the top team in the West, as far as I understand. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a, it has not been a fun start to this season. Um, I'm glad that they finally can get one tonight because it was, uh, it was looking pretty rough there for a while. And, uh, they needed one. They, I, I thought they'd played well enough in a couple different games that they, uh, should have earned a win at this point, but, um, it was nice to see them get one. I want to talk about the two big guys. We haven't talked about LeBron and AD yet. Uh, we'll talk about both of them here in just a moment. So AD finishes the night with a double-double, 23 points, 15 rebounds, a plus 15. Only Russ had a higher one. Played 37 minutes, 10 of 18 shooting, and had to sit down after the game for his uh, post-game interview with Mike Trudell. Told him his back is absolutely killing him, um, but he's hoping these two days off will help him. He was clearly not, he was clearly in, in pain on the court as well, but gutted it out. I You have to commend him for, for this because for a guy that has taken so much crap for um, the injuries and not being able to stay on the court, I think you can tell that he wants to shed that narrative and he is battling through it right now, not to just stay on the court. He was huge down the stretch on both ends of the floor. Um, going up against the MVP, he was getting putbacks late and things like that. Um, what did you see from from AD both on Sunday? But, I mean, he's been playing well to start the season as a whole. He's been wonderful, just absolutely wonderful to be able to – I mean, like I said, I, I know that the Lakers collectively have been defending very well, but they're at a size disadvantage every night when they step out onto the court. And the only reason this works is because AD's in the middle just cleaning everything up. And I know, I think Aaron said this, I don't know if it was on Slack or on Twitter, but he said through five games of the season, like despite the fact that the Lakers are winless, AD would be his defensive player of the year. And I feel the same way because like, I mean, what was it? Two and a half minutes left when he goes for the putback and like, he just pulls his back and it's like, oh my God, like he's going to have to come out or we can be able to hold on to this for two and a half minutes. And he just stays in the game, even though he can't even really run all the way up the court. And then somehow on the next possession, stationed in the corner cuts to the basket catches that absolute laser from LeBron to keep the possession alive even though he doesn't make the shot like I feel bad that he feels the need to will himself through what looks to be debilitating pain like clearly all of the nonsense that surrounds you know Anthony Davis and the fact that he hasn't been available as often as he wants to be like it it affects him it has to because why else would you I mean, I know he wants to be there for the team, but I do think that there's a certain point of like, dude, just like take a moment. <laughs> like, It's yeah. okay. Um, you can just step out for a second. I know that the idea of Wendy and Gabriel coming in isn't super appealing, but he can do it. Uh, I appreciate that he's trying so hard because he is playing so well. I mean, seeing him hit all those mid-rangers today made me think of mm-hmm. like, like this is just bubble AD reincarnate because he's seeing all the same familiar faces out in front of him. You know, it's like he's been transported back to Orlando, getting to play against Jamal and Nicola and Michael Porter Jr. all over again. But 
God, he was he was wonderful. Just absolutely incredible today. Like Jokic got him, you know, like on a couple up, up and unders, whatever. Like that's going to happen. Jokic is a supremely talented offensive player, the best offensive big in the game, I'm pretty sure. But God, like the effort that he's giving right now uh, and the fact that like he completely excised the three from his repertoire today and just stuck with the middies, like made me <laughs> so happy with how he was playing. The effort on the glass, he had 15 boards, like you mentioned. I mean, I hope it looks easier for him because I just feel so bad for him. But goodness, this is incredible content. <laughs> uh, bad news for him is that Wednesday is Jonas Valanciunas and Zion Williamson. Yeah, so. And the Pelicans played this morning in L.A. and just staying here until Wednesday. Like not even the benefits of having a home game. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how much L.A. nightlife can recap it on. <laughs> on a Monday and a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, on the Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, half a week of, of LA nightlife, but yeah, AD, the jumpers, I think were the biggest difference tonight, as you said, knocking down those mid range efforts. Um, he was going back and forth with Jamal Murray for a while with Jokic for a while, just trading baskets. Um, Jokic finishes with 23 and 14 on eight of 16 shooting. He's going to get his, it's also, and I don't even mean this like disparagingly, the awkwardness with which he always scores has to be frustrating as a defender because it looks like you've done your job and forced a tough shot, but it's like, that's exactly the shot Jokic wants <laughs> and it throws it in from these weird angles and off one foot off balance, whatever it is. Uh, he throws these shots in. So um, getting Jokic two times in the last three games, Probably wasn't fun. It seems like Jokic was AD's last two games. <laughs> yeah, AD's last two games. Yeah, good point. Have been against Jokic, and Jokic has made a point to seemingly make it a lot more physical. He's already kind of a physical post player, but to totally. make it even more physical, it seems like against AD, I think he was well aware that AD was hobbled, um, so he was banging around a lot, and AD to. To hold his own offensively, um, do everything he does defensively for this team. Uh, to the point you were making about the size disparity and what you were saying earlier, the Lakers, that third quarter run they went on, uh, the lineup was Russ, uh, Lonnie Walker, Matt Ryan, Austin Reeves, and Anthony Davis. God bless Matt Ryan. <laughs> Four guards and Anthony Davis. And in five minutes, they had a net rating of 64.5. Um, and th those are the lineups the Lakers have to keep trotting out there right now because they just don't have wings or forwards on the roster and they're not going to anytime soon until JTA comes back. And then presumably, or potentially if Russ is dealt, uh, those wings aren't going to be on the roster. So this is going to be a, a heavy burden on AD to anchor things defensively. You hope the back is something he can get over basically and it can heal in season. Those always kind of worry me because they just seem to linger on and on and can flare up at seemingly any time. So hopefully fingers crossed he can um, heal up for the next couple of nights uh, before the game on Wednesday and he'll be back for that one. LeBron does his typical LeBron thing where uh, he kind of coasts a little bit uh, first half wasn't playing all that well. Um, apparently logged on to social media, saw everybody talking about him being washed or checked out or whatever it was, and then went absolutely bonkers in the second half. 
finishes with 26 points, eight assists, six rebounds. Um, if we're talking about heavy burdens defensively for AD, LeBron's had a pretty heavy burden offensively for this team as well. And he's done it in a couple different roles. Uh, what did you see from him on Sunday? I was worried we were going to get one of those like LeBron fills up the stat sheet, but like doesn't actually impact the game. You hope he will the way you hope he will, like with all the missed bunnies in the first quarter. Um, and then like Stu and Billy Mack were talking about his thumb and like, like he hadn't taken a jumper to that point. And then he starts, I think it like started somewhere through the, the middle of the second where like he and Russ started developing that like little screening chemistry and good things were happening. And then, he just decides, okay, like the third quarter is going to be my quarter. Um, the fadeaway against Aaron Gordon to start things off. A couple threes. I mean, you're absolutely right that he shoulders the same offensive burden that Anthony Davis does defensively. But like, he's LeBron James. Like, this is what he was built to do. Like, his shoulders are this wide for a reason, you know? Uh, and I... I don't want to like not give him the same amount of credit that I'm giving Anthony Davis because Lord knows the Lakers do not have a ton of offensive talent. I guess we're just used to seeing this from LeBron for so often. And like any time that he was matched up against a non Aaron Gordon defender, he was just taking that guy to school. Like Aaron Gordon traditionally been a very, not a very big problem, but like he has played LeBron. Well, even when the Lakers were like good, you know, for a little bit, they would always lose to Orlando because Aaron Gordon just has a way of defending him. And like, He's got the strength. He's got the quickness, like just good, strong defensive player. Um, but like, yeah, if it was Jamal, if it was MPJ, if it was just anybody else who happened to be in front of him, like LeBron was getting to the cup or shooting right over him. And I thought he was really smart about taking advantage of those matchups. And then like when he needed to defensively, just we already talked about the possession with Jokic in the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought he brought it at the end like he needed to. Uh, and I mean, just it's just like a fun, fun game from LeBron, you know. <laughs> just, just doing happy things. His plus minus doesn't look great because he wasn't on the court, you know, with that eighty Russ bench unit, which again, like hilarious. That was the, the time that like <laughs> actually made the Lakers work. Like I was concerned at the end of the third because we had won the non-Jokic minutes, but like the idea was, what if Anthony Davis has to sit and then Jokic comes back in? Like, what's going to happen then? But LeBron did just enough defensively on Jokic just to help AD out a little bit because, goodness gracious, the Lakers picks are bad. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought Wenyon was fine, actually. Uh, when he took that little baseline 12-foot jumper, I never want to see Ooh. that again. And the fact that like he is existing as a spacer in some of these lineups. like There was a unit that the Lakers ran out that was LeBron, Russ, Troy Brown, Austin Reeves, and Wenyon Gabriel. And like, who is a shooter in that lineup? Like, <laughs> anybody? Like, they were like running actions to get Wenyan like on the wing or on the corner. I'm like, is this like really the plan here? But like the fact that LeBron and AD have to hold up that much weight in the front court because Damian Jones has been terrible and Thomas Bryant is out. And like, like I, I'm a big Wenyan fan. Like I keep saying this, like on every episode of the Silver Screen Roll podcast that I appear on, but uh, he's just not a guy who's going to get you more than like 20 minutes a game. Like that's just not who he is. And that, that's fine. It's just, there's a lot riding on Thomas Bryant when he comes back like a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's not great that uh, Damian Jones is already basically unable to play really consistent minutes. He's only played two minutes. He played two. Um, like they get yeah. hosed with him in the game. And I understand like, 
uh, I think Darwin wanted to keep AD's sub pattern the same, especially with his back, you know, like mm-hmm. potentially a source of concern. And then he brought in Damian Jones when Jokic was still in the game. And Jokic was like, oh, okay, thank you. And then immediately, <laughs> like, ate nothing run or something. And he's like, okay, we can't do that anymore. Uh, but yeah, like, Damian Jones has been so bad. And I, I wonder if, like, Anthony Davis isn't so much responding to, like, the narrative of, oh, I can't play, as in, I'm looking at the bench, seeing what my replacements are, and thinking, I have to stay in the game. Well, I mean, that would have worked last year, too, with DeAndre Jordan on the court as well. So, but... Yeah, my favorite part about the winning Gabriel experience tonight was he had that baseline jumper that I don't know where he was aiming. It didn't seem like the rim because it was wildly off, which to his credit, gets the rebound, puts it back in. Hani did tweet, I never want to see a winning Gabriel jumper again, to which he shot a three-pointer from the wing on the very next possession. Uh, Winning Gabriel is not the floor spacer the Lakers need. As you said, there's a lot riding on Thomas Bryant to be that whenever he comes back. But yeah, that, I mean, it goes to show, as you were saying, uh, how much of a load LeBron has to carry in a lot of these lineups. Uh, He's had to play so many different roles this year already. He's kind of been the de facto point guard at times. Um, He's off the ball at times with Russ. He's kind of all over the place. Um, it was frustrating that first half, both him and Russ missing layups. Uh, first half, LeBron was four of 12, uh, nine points. And then in the second half, uh, six of 10 for 17 points. Um, so I don't casual know. LeBron James stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess he figured out how to make some layups and knock down a couple jumpers there in, uh, that second half, but thoroughly impressive from him. <laughs> Uh, there were a number of role players that stepped up on the night as well. Lonnie Walker has been so much more fun than I ever could have envisioned him being. Uh, on Sunday, 18 points, five rebounds, couple of assists, three of five from three. Um, that pull up he had in transition. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say, where he goes flying as he lands and buries a three. I did not expect a Lonnie Walker heat check, but uh, that was a ton of fun. Uh, he was a huge part of that uh, run to close the third quarter. Um, and really just the the run the Lakers went on in the second half, he was all over the place. Um, he's also – he did not come in to L.A. with a good def- uh, reputation defensively, and he is working his ass off on the defensive end uh, to make up for that. And he's he's played well on that end of the floor, um, just chasing guys around and, and staying up in guys – uh, on that end, what's been your uh, your favorite part of the Lonnie Walker experience so far? I mean, so many things. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, anytime Austin passes to him, like I'm here for it. Just anytime, whether it results in like like a, an almost wedgie, I think is what Stu Lance called it on a layup, right? But then you know, like a couple possessions later, he cuts in from the baseline. Austin hits him, and that's another layup. And uh, like like you said, you know, not a sterling defensive reputation coming into the Lakers. Like I think that's putting it charitably to be perfectly honest, but he works, he competes. And like uh, the, the offense has been, you know, inconsistent. I think like because Lonnie's good plays are such great highlights, like we have an, an excessively fond opinion of him. And I think part of like, this similar to how we thought of Malik Monk last year, you know, just cause he looked so cool when he was playing well that like you can like easily forget the things that weren't going well. So I, 
I would love, you know, just like a more more consistent offensive approach from Lonnie, but that's fine. Like he's hit double digits in four out of the six games so far. Like I don't really think I expected more from him. <laughs> and he's convincingly taken this starting guard role, which can we just talk for a second about how Kendrick Nunn played three minutes today and like that was more than enough? <laughs> like what yeah, has was- happened? <laughs> Kendrick Dunn, my word. I don't know. what worst. You could have given me a list of worst case scenarios, and I don't think I could have come up with this. It Agreed. is falling off a cliff from him. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that, like, don't really miss him because you've got Lonnie, because you've got Austin, because you've got Pat Bev, who are soaking up these minutes so wonderfully. Uh, just everything Lonnie does is fun. Like, Lonnie Skywalker is a fantastic nickname. Just truly, <laughs> truly excellent. And I know the Lakers are young, right? Like they definitely made an effort to become younger this year. But the other guys on the team don't have that just jolt of athleticism in the half court. And the fact that you can give Lonnie the ball on the wing with like four seconds left and he immediately gets into the lane on and drive. He's so fast. He jumps so high. His mid-rangers, I always think they're going in because he gets fantastic elevation (laughs) on them. Like I just love having an athlete on this roster, like a real athlete because it just presents itself in so many interesting ways like the way he can cover on defense the way he just makes things happen so quickly on offense the decision making in transition like that one missed layup aside whatever it's fine (laughs) but like I think just having a guy with his his burst is so so much fun he's overwhelmingly athletic like he is it it leads to so many just fun, exciting plays just because he jumps so high. He goes flying all over the place. He's so fast. Um, he, he has to channel that maybe some uh, better sometimes. But sure. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll live with the bad if this is the good we've gotten so far because it's been a lot of fun. Um, NBA did update their team stats. And good news, the Lakers have cleared 100 offensive rating Woo! on the season. <laughs> Uh, bad news are still 30th. <laughs> They're closing in on the Clippers. Uh, they are one point behind uh, the Clippers now, but they're still, still second. second on defense. <laughs> they are still second on defense. Um, and <laughs> the last guy I wanted to talk about, I just noticed that as I refresh, refresh the page. Last guy I wanted to mention is Austin Reeves, who continues to just do a little bit of everything as we saw in the preseason uh 10 points four rebounds a couple of assists couple st- or a steal a block um i saw some tweets during the third fourth quarter that basically he should be in the starting lineup i think troy brown jr has played well i think uh, it's but... over pat bev the people are saying oh well i mean that's fair too uh, yeah. because um Pat Bev has struggled. He only played 21 minutes, and I think his minutes have consistently decreased as the season's gone along, too. Would you insert Austin Reeves into the starting lineup for Pat Bev, then? No, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I'm i very happy with what Austin is doing, but, like, let's be real. like It hasn't been a, a tremendous start to the season for him. Yeah. Like, he's been, he's been good. I, I will allow that he's been good. I do think part of the reason he's been good is because he gets to go up against bench lineups and I want him to get really good against bench lineups before he gets upgraded into the starters. And like, if you want to close with them, great. But I just, the hype train is a little bit too far out of the station for my <laughs> taste with Austin. I'm like, let's, let's just let him thrive here, right? Like he's doing really well, what he's doing, just continue to improve in that 
particular role and then we can talk about starting because Pat like I know the the offense has just been it's been a train wreck like he does he's whipped out the floater now and again in the last couple games which I'm happy about because he can't just not shoot and then pass the ball and expect us to restart the offense every time he gets a possession you know but I do believe that eventually Pat Bev will start shooting like 30 percent from threes (laughs) you know (laughs) there's there's still a thing where like he has earned the reputation of being that guy that defensive defenses don't treat Austin the same way just because he's a second year player and he doesn't have the pedigree that Pat Bev does and reputations take a very long time to change in the NBA. So Pat Bev is still that guy and I still just trust him a little bit more against the best of the best than I do Austin. Maybe that'll change soon, but I don't know. I I just want to like, I want to protect Austin a little bit, just a little bit. (laughs) Uh, I've talked to Justin Russo, who covers the Clippers, about Pat Bev. He has assured me that Pat Bev always starts the season shooting poorly. And then once December rolls around, he starts hitting like 40% of his threes. I don't know if you can confirm or deny that since you covered the Clippers. Nobody knows numbers like Justin does. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the amount of statistical minutia that Justin Russo. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I just didn't know if you had... Uh, if you remember that, because Pat Bev is shooting a ghastly, uh, I believe seven, I just lost the page, 17%, 17.6% from the three point line on three and a half attempts. He had that straight away one today when he canned it. And I was like, yes, Pat's back. He, uh, he hit, I think, oh, he was one of four today. So his his percentage actually went up to 17.6% today. Um, Austin is actually the Lakers' second best three-point shooter at 46%. Wow. He, uh, he, him and Matt Ryan are first and second. Matt what Ryan do is What do they have in common, Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> and Austin Reeves is 8 of 17. Uh, nobody else, I believe, is over 30%. They are not. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with Austin that I think he probably needs to do a little bit more. He can be the probably the first guard off the bench at this point. Well, Russ um, is the first guard. Well, off Russ, the bench. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm still not adjusted to that one. Second guard off the bench at this point, um, and still play. I mean, he played 28 minutes. He he was in basically the the closing lineups tonight. He can still be that guy while coming mm-hmm. off the bench, and um, I there probably needs to be some more consistency with that three pointer before I, before I believe it, before defenses start believing it. And, and as you said, kind of treating him differently because until then it, he's got to start knocking down a lot of threes for, uh, for that to, for him to be able to play because the spacing is just going to be different with him on the court versus Pat Bev. I like the pace with Austin next to Russ too. Um, I just think, I know we talked a lot about how Pat Bev makes sense next to Russ because he's a three and D guard, but if he's not shooting, like the the offense just slows down a lot. So I like the pairing of Austin and Russ. So keeping them together, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's working right now. I I don't know that I would change a ton of stuff up with, with how things went tonight. Uh, There's, it was a good vibe from tonight's game that uh, we can carry forward a little bit. Is there anything else from tonight, from Friday's game, I guess, as well, uh, 
or the Timberwolves game that uh, it's caught your eye or you want to talk about? I'm upset that we lost to the Wolves seeing how tragically the Wolves played against the Spurs earlier today. (laughs) I'm upset that that happened. But no, I mean, it's... I understand that there are going to be games this season when LeBron is unavailable, when Anthony Davis is unavailable, but to play against the Wolves with all of their rebounding prowess without Anthony Davis, I don't learn a lot from that game. I thought Russ coming off the bench looked fine. Like Alex Regler wrote a great column for Silver Screen Roll about that. Just the way he's able to execute as, you know, Russ being Russ when he's off the bench. I thought we got a good proof of concept in that Minnesota game, but like the fact that they lost is not, it's not overwhelmingly disappointing, but like I don't take away a whole lot from that game just because when you're relying on Damian Jones and Wendy and Gabriel as your fives in that matchup, what well, what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, I thought they played above their heads for a lot of that game, considering that was their two big men. I did I, not expect that to go well at all. And another um, really bad game for Damian Jones, actually. Another data point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is... His only saving grace right now is that Thomas Bryant is still a couple weeks away from being healthy again and that AD has a back injury because if it weren't for those two things, I don't know that he'd be getting minutes, which is a far cry from his first stint here where he literally almost couldn't, almost could not miss uh, in his, I think, five, six, seven games that he played. It's like two uh, days or something, right? Spanning the all-star break. <laughs> yeah. There was, to your point uh, about the pace with Russ and Austin Reeves, I looked it up. Russ and Austin Reeves have, I mean, pace with the NBA stat is kind of subjective, not perfect, but 111.5, which is one of the highest numbers the Lakers have for a two-man pairing, especially one that's played as much as these two have. Uh, Russ and Pat Bev is 107. So they do play quicker um, with Russ or yeah Russ and Austin Reeves on the court together which is not something I mean it makes sense basically Mm -hmm. to to keep those two together because it it has worked um I mean just kind of skimming it doesn't look like Russ has Russ and Kendrick Nunn are at 117 but I don't think Kendrick Nunn's seeing many minutes uh for the short term so uh that's the only other guard that uh Russ has a quicker pace with than Austin Reeves yeah, and uh, I'm just I'm just happy that it worked because, like Russ was saying after the Minnesota game, it's it's hard to sacrifice when you keep losing, and like that might sound like a selfish comment, but it's not. It's just human nature <laughs> to yeah. be told to do something differently and it not work. Like that sucks, and so for it to go well for state, sorry for Crypto.com Arena to be so happy for him and just like the, like I mean it started off a really good night with like George Mikan's jersey retirement and like finally an acknowledgement of the Minneapolis Lakers because they were wearing their jerseys. <laughs> um, it was just good to like actually bookend that with a win. They got the good vibes from finally retiring his jersey, finally mm-hmm. hanging those Minnesota or Minneapolis banners up. They got all the good karma. They cashed it in on a win. Also, maybe, I mean, <laughs> our own Cooper is at the game. He tweeted the picture of a man dressed like Jesus walking around telling people the Lakers were going to win before the game. Also met that man after the game. Uh, he said the uh, he wore the Jesus costume because as a big uh, Laker fan, he was praying for a Sunday miracle. 
Well, that's why we wear whites on Sundays, right? Or Sunday vests. <laughs> there we go. Don't change it, Lakers. It's simple. Keep wearing those whites on Sunday, and we'll keep coming away with victories. Don't check the math on that. Uh, Sabrina, thanks a ton for coming on. Uh, and I promise one of these days, guys, Hani will be back. Uh, he was not a figment of our imagination. He, I believe he should be back next week to join us. Uh, you guys can check out the rest of our shows, including Sabrina's with Raj on Wednesdays uh, on a Silver Screen and Roll podcast and network. Be sure you guys are subscribed. Uh, I will be back with you next week. You'll hear Sabrina later this week. But thanks for listening, guys.